This is Shelter in Place, a podcast about coming together in a world that pulls us apart. From Oakland, California to Hamilton, Massachusetts, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Here's a thought experiment. What if climate change is a hoax? So we cleaned up our earth for nothing? So we created new jobs for nothing? So we revolutionized the way that we use public transit for nothing? What's the worst that could happen by making these changes? What if it's all for nothing? Great! This is an opportunity to make better the things that are difficult in our world, to revolutionize things that are problematic. It's not just work, it's really an opportunity. It's election week here in the United States, which means that unless you live under a rock, you're spending at least some of your waking hours thinking about politics, which for most of us usually leads to feelings of anger or frustration or more often than not, fear. So this week, I'm bringing you some extra episodes about people who are facing fear with courage. I've intentionally sought out conversations that challenge my assumptions and push me to think beyond party lines. Because whatever happens next week, we'll all still be here, trying to figure out how to live together. If you're just joining us, make sure you go back to the beginning of season two so you can get some context for this pandemic odyssey, the story of how my family left our home in Oakland last month and set out on an adventure we hadn't gone looking for. The original Odyssey is a story about going home and facing some pretty scary stuff along the way. But before he can even think about going home, Odysseus has a big problem. He's been stuck on a mythical island with the nymph Calypso for seven years. Maybe over time, his fear had turned to apathy. Maybe he told himself that with Calypso's enchanted singing and promises of immortality, life as a prisoner wasn't so bad. Except that at some point, Odysseus realizes that his life with Calypso isn't sustainable. He misses home. He wants to go back and be with his wife and his son. Still, it takes the counsel of the gods to free him from captivity so that he can find his way home. Today I'm talking with someone who understands what it's like to wake up in your own life and suddenly realize that things are not as they should be, and to find a path forward, even when it seems like there's none to be found. My name is Georgia Wright. I am 26. I am a climate activist and a audio producer and a writer. I host and produce the show Inherited with my dear collaborator, Juliana Bradley. I met Georgia a little over a year ago when we were both finalists for WNYC's Podcast Accelerator Contest. I still remember the five-minute trailer she submitted. It was a vivid snapshot of her home in Rhode Island. It was the seed of the idea that grew into her podcast, Inherited. I'm from this really small town in southern Rhode Island. It's about 5,000 people. I spent a lot of time growing up outside in the natural world and every time I went home to my hometown and I looked around at how things were changing and how the winters seemed to be a lot milder every year how when the full moon came out the roads would flood with water in certain places on the island because the tides were just getting higher and higher and it really reshaped the way I related to some of the places that I loved best in the world. Like Georgia I grew up spending a lot of time outdoors 
I spent my childhood climbing trees and picking wildflowers and exploring the woods around my house. No one had to convince me to not litter or to leave no trace when I went camping. I can't remember the exact point when I started paying attention to the science around climate change, when I started taking it seriously. But four years ago, when my state started referring to the wildfires not as isolated incidents, but as an annual season, the conversation suddenly felt urgent in a way that it hadn't before. Georgia is part of a generation that has grown up with climate change as a daily reality, but it took connecting the science to real life to make it feel personal. I knew about climate change. It was always kind of there, but I definitely didn't understand the severity of it until I did this internship at a documentary company called Years of Living Dangerously, which is about the climate crisis. They have this whole documentary series show on National Geographic, and I was a fact checker for some of their episodes. So for an entire summer, I was confronted with the facts of the climate crisis day in and day out. I worked on an episode about this reservation in Kenya where they had been caring for elephants for dozens of years. But the, the effects of drought had been really strong the last few years. And hearing from these farmers, the caretakers, whose entire livelihoods were getting upended. I also remember that year was the first year that I learned how the big Syrian refugee crisis was that the reason there was so much geopolitical instability was because there was really prolonged drought and there was a scarcity of resources and kind of making the connection that political events and wars could be something that is directly tied to climate change. I think we silo climate change as, oh, it's its own subject, it's environment, it's about trees or polar bears or whatever, rather than it is an umbrella under which everything else we do falls and it changes and influences everything around us. I was connecting climate change to things that were happening in the world around me already, not as in some abstract future thing, but in stories from people who were experiencing the effects of droughts and hurricanes and fires and realizing how frequently they were starting to happen. I think we all kind of gradually accumulate this information. It's less like a light switch and more like the scales are just slowly, slowly, slowly tipping and all of a sudden you've kind of flipped on over and you're like, this is life-defining. Climate was something I thought was environmental. I didn't think of it as human. And then I looked around and I was just like, this is society. This is affecting everyone, the people I love, and it's affecting me. That's what really shook me and shook me awake. But Georgia said that that experience of being shaken or woken up was really scary. In the beginning, it was paralyzing. You don't really spend time with that data and come out of it feeling okay. I really came out of that summer pretty transformed and with a sense of real urgency, but also real despair. I didn't know where to begin. I felt like my entire life was up for grabs in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before. I hadn't thought about it in relationship to like having kids one day or what it would look like for me to be in my 70s or 80s. I had always assumed it would look not that different from my grandparents. I want kids. And right now I don't know if I should have them because the future feels too uncertain. I've always dealt with mental health problems and specifically anxiety and, and OCD. And so I became kind of obsessive about it. You know, I, I just talked about climate change to all my friends and all my family. And it felt like I was just 
screaming, like trying to get everyone to wake up because it just felt like this thing is barreling towards us. It's this cloud of doom that is coming towards us and that actually is already here and manifesting. I just kept thinking, how do I change this? How do I change my life trajectory so that I can work on this? Because I can't seem to concentrate on anything else. I'll be back with more of this story right after this short break. I don't know about you, but I'm finding that it's the little things that go a long way lately. Like when someone sends you a really nice text, or when you hear that song that you love that you forgot about, or when an ordinary dinner becomes special with a really great glass of wine. Which is why I am so excited to tell you about our sponsor, Delta Wines, who can deliver wine right to your front door. Delta means change. And Delta Wines were born out of a desire to make a difference and protect our planet. For every bottle of wine you buy, they'll donate a dollar to partner companies who are cleaning up our oceans and reducing CO2 emissions. Best of all, their wines are affordable and delicious. Go to winesforchange.com and use the code SHELTER to get 10% off your order and support this show. I was getting some work here and there as an audio producer, but all I wanted to work on, all I wanted to think about was climate. And that's when I started thinking, there really aren't very many climate podcasts out there. It just feels like this topic that's wholly ignored in the media. And now I work in the media, so I should start thinking about this. There are a ton of climate shows now, but a lot of them really have come to fruition in the last one to two years. So at the time, it really felt like a pretty barren landscape. Simultaneously with me thinking about climate and audio, the Sunrise Movement picked up steam, this group of young people under 35 who work in politics specifically to elect politicians who want to stop climate change and create good jobs in the process. The big rallying point was around the Green New Deal, and I remember first hearing about that and just seeing all these young people in the hallways of Congress and just being like, wow, okay, there are other people who care about this. A few months after that, I went to my first Sunrise meeting, and it just became so obvious, like, oh, the climate podcast I've been trying to formulate this entire time, it's about this youth movement. It's about what it is to be a young person and to feel these things, to feel this dread and to deal with this completely unprecedented existential crisis, the likes of which none of our ancestors have had to deal with on the same level that our generation is dealing with, really for the first time. Of course, it's bringing up so much and changing our psychology and changing the way we relate to the world. And so that's when Inherited really started to become what it is. Inherited came out in September, and it's fantastic. It got featured in iTunes' new and notable podcasts, the ones you see banners of right at the top of the page. It came out right around the time that my family fled the California wildfires when we'd started to ask ourselves if living in California was sustainable. Having the striking visual imagery and realities of the wildfires in California this year have done a lot to put climate on the forefront of all of our minds. But also having a generation of young people for whom this is our daily reality. We haven't been in a world where this wasn't a big problem. I think something that is hard is that there is no version of this where we completely avoid the effects. We can't undo the wildfires that just displace thousands and thousands of people. We can't undo the hurricanes, the lives lost in Puerto Rico and Texas and and Louisiana. But we can become better prepared for the events that are inevitable, and we can avert the worst effects of those events becoming stronger and stronger. And I do believe that 
there's a really, really beautiful potential here. Part of what I take from Sunrise is this idea that a better world is possible under a framework like the Green New Deal, which is this vision where we create millions of good jobs for Americans through retrofitting public housing with solar panels and renewable energy and investing in education and really investing in ourselves instead of in this idea of, of innovation and pushing forward and forward and forward, really taking a moment to stop and look at what we have and saying, how do we make the systems that we already have work better? How do we support the communities that have been struggling for so long? There are ways to move forward by making what we already have better, by thinking about how we can transform detrimental systems, how we can transform fossil fuels into renewable energy, how we can create jobs and support people and families through that. We've been here in Massachusetts for a little over a month now. Today, outside my window, it's snowing. Not just a little dusting, but the kind of snow that buries cars. This afternoon when I was recording, we lost power for almost an hour. I miss home. Not just the weather, but all of the people and places in Oakland that have come to mean so much to me in 16 years of living there. If you've been following this pandemic odyssey, then you know that until recently, my family and I had no plans of ever leaving California. Even though it's expensive and our house is small and we're far from family. But four years of wildfires have forced us to ask questions we never wanted to. If wildfire season continues to come earlier and earlier, bringing with it not just danger of fire, but air quality, that's so bad that we can't go outdoors for days at a time. Is it still worth it to stay? We aren't ready to answer that question yet, but we also can't ignore it anymore. It's been a hard year. I don't really have climate deniers in my life, but what I do have is a lot of people who are apathetic on climate or they acknowledge that the climate is changing, but they're not taking any actions. They're just like, well, you know, humanity was gonna burn out at some point, we're doomed. I think doomerism is just as dangerous. It's negativity and nihilism. It's the opposite of hope. And that can feel like, oh, you know, I'm just being a realist. But what it means is that I absolve myself of any responsibility to make change here because this is inevitable. It's not denial, but it is equally as harmful in my mind. I think people are fearful. They're fearful to accept that this is real and that it's happening around us. I think everyone can resonate with the idea of an uncertain future and of wanting to create a better world for the people who come after you. I like to focus my energy on people who are maybe kind of frozen in fear or feel hopeless. I think hope is, you know, it's hard. It's not something where we need naive optimism. These things take work, but I think it's possible. And I, I think there's a path. That's why we made Inherited. We find a lot of hope in the energy and in the very hard work of this young generation of thinkers who just really wants to reimagine the way that things are and understands that the way that things are now is not sustainable and that sustainability isn't just recycling, it's the sustainability of knowing your neighbors and mutual aid and helping one another and growing community and growing relationships, and making sure everyone has a thrivable wage. All of those things are possible and I think there's more momentum for them right now than there ever has been any time in history. For anybody out there who might be feeling really frightened right now, you're not alone. I've been there and really things started changing for me when I joined the community of youth climate activists 
And that is my strongest hope that people will realize that the antidote to fear and paralysis is community and that the communities are out there and we just have to find one another. I've been ending each episode this season with an invitation. And so today I asked Georgia if there was anything that she wanted to invite us into. Reimagine what the word optimism or hope or dreaming, what those words mean. I think people associate those words with idealism and ignorance, naivete, when really I think they open the door for really hard work. Spend a little time dreaming non-judgmentally. The first step towards creating change is thinking beyond the now and thinking beyond the present. Sometimes it's really scary because it feels like, what if we never get there? And I mean that both within the climate crisis, but also in everything, whatever it is that feels untenable right now. Maybe it's having teachers be paid incredibly well, or maybe it's having free health care for everyone, or maybe it's having your own home somewhere that feels unsustainable right now or feels too far away or too distant. Being able to dream and hope opens up the pathway and starts us on the journey of envisioning how we get to there from here. It's actually an incredibly courageous thing to do. You can find Inherited wherever you get your podcasts. I've listened to all of the episodes and I loved it. There's a lot of hope to be found in the stories there. Make sure you check it out and subscribe. It's a short capsule pilot season, which means that we only have four episodes and they're all relatively short. You could listen to the whole thing in about two hours. And regardless of how you feel about climate as a subject, hearing from young people can be a really heartening thing. And so if you're not going to listen to the show, at least listen to the young people in your life. Thank you to Georgia Wright for this wonderful conversation. And to all of the young people at the Sunrise Movement for working so hard to make this world a better place for my children. As always, you can hear outtakes if you listen all the way to the end of the episode. But first, I want to thank a couple of our amazing supporters. Adrian and Wes Selke, you have cared for us so well as we've traveled on this journey. From organizing a meal train for us the week before we left, to coming over and watching our kids while we packed, to reaching out to encourage us and let us know that you're listening. You have brightened some very dark days these past couple of months. Thank you for reminding us how good community can be and that even from across the country, that community is still there for us. Jerry and Colleen Canberra, it's a rare thing to find a mentor these days. And I've found two incredible mentors in you. Colleen, thank you for your gentle and consistent presence, for your care of our children, and for the thousands of prayers you've lifted up on my behalf. Jerry, thank you for your wisdom and advice, for so many great conversations over drinks or on the trail or with kids underfoot, for giving me perspective when I was stuck, and for reminding me to take a deep breath. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll subscribe and share it with a friend. In our conversations with potential sponsors, the first thing they ask about is the number of downloads we get. So when you share this with others and ask them to subscribe, you move us a little closer to making this work sustainable. Rating and leaving a quick review about what you like about Shelter in Place helps others to find us. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the handle Shelter in Place Podcast and on Twitter at Laura Joyce Davis. If you're thinking, 
Hey, I'd like to get occasional emails from Laura. You can sign up for our newsletter, find show notes, and information about our incredible sponsors, Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines, and Imagine Mindfulness, as well as ways to support the show at shelterinplacepodcast.info. We'd love to hear from you. Additional music and sound effects in today's episode came from Storyblocks. The Shelter in Place music was created by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions. Nate Davis is our creative director, and Sarah Edgel is our design director. Until next week, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis. And now, if you're still listening, here's a little outtake. If you're just joining us, make sure you go back to the beginning of season two so you can get some context for this pandemic odyssey. This week... Seriously? What? The power just went out. I... It's already snow... Like, seriously, the power is out? I don't remember snow meaning that the power goes out. I guess you haven't lived in a cold place for a while. Oh, man.